with all the focus, I'm sure, the last few days on, on gifts, and that being kind of a main focus of Christmas, maybe you have asked this question. What do you want for Christmas? Or maybe that question was even asked of you, and you had to think, what it is you really wanted? Of course, when we give gifts, it isn't just a matter of giving anything. We look for something that we think that people would really want or need, something that would really be something they enjoy. But what if we took that question, what do you want for Christmas, and just tweaked it a little bit? How about this? What are you giving for Christmas? I know that question comes up at our house, too, and I ask the kids, what are you going to give mom for Christmas? Oh, I don't know. So really, that folk, those two questions remind us about all the things with gifts, doesn't it? There's the getting and the giving. And that's what we've been focused on, too, this Advent season, as we've been looking at the gifts that God gives us of peace and, and hope and joy, and today, love. I want to go back and look at those verses again we heard earlier from John's first letter in which he talked about this gift of love from God. And notice how he brings out that point. It's a gift we get, and it's a gift we give. Here's what John wrote. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. When you are given a gift and it's all wrapped up, of course you're wondering, I'm wondering what's inside. And maybe you do a little bit of feeling or shaking, or maybe you just start to imagine what it might be. Well, finally, you're going to open it up and look at it. You're going to see, okay, what does it do? And, you know, is it the right size? And how am I going to use this gift? Well, that's exactly what John was getting us to think about, too. When he started out saying, see what Great love the Father has lavished on us. That word see was a command. And it meant take a careful look at it. Examine what you are getting from God. And he tells us we're getting God's great love. So let's take a look and see what this gift is like in our life. We don't have to guess. John tells us. He says, first of all, you are called The children of God. That's a pretty nice title, isn't it? To be called the children of God. 
Now that is not just some platitude, you know, saying something nice to show you're a nice person. It's true. But why is that such a special title? Because by nature we are not children of God. When we were born into this world, and in fact the scriptures tell us, when we were preemies, before we were born, when we were conceived, our soul had a sin nature. By nature, we did not know God and his love. We did not have faith. We were, in fact, the scriptures tell us, because of our sin, objects of his wrath, not children of his love. But God changed all that. God took the action to make us children of God, not just calling us that, but making us that. How did he do it? Well, the Apostle Paul, in one of his letters, said, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. God took action. When we were baptized into Christ, he put Christ on us. He gave us faith so that now we know God and his love. In fact, he would tell us how that all works in the next chapter of Galatians. He would say, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that's us, that we might receive adoption to sonship. That is, we became children of God through a process of adoption. It was a process that God worked. It was like a father stooping down, and he picks up his child. God stooped down to come into this world to take on our flesh and blood. Jesus, God's son, come into, came into this world to be one of us but to remain the holy son of God. He lives experiencing all the trials and all the temptations that you and I experience, but yet without sin. And then he does this. John says, behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us. What did he do? He lays down his life for us. Though he committed no sin, did nothing wrong, he takes upon himself our sin and suffers the penalty that we deserved so that we would not suffer God's wrath, but instead be called the children of God, children of his love. And Jesus takes up that life again to show us the victory and to give us assurance of our eternal life. And so, in that way, we're not just called children of God, we are the children of God. That's what John says. That is what we are, children of God. Now, the world may not see that. The world may see you and I are just like them. You know, we've got the same problems as they do. We have the same duties that we have to carry out. We experience the same sicknesses and troubles. In fact, we have the same sins as the world does. But the difference is, we know God and are called the children of his love. We know his care. 
We know how he guides us, provides and protects, forgives, and gives us eternal life. That's the difference. Now, at this time of the year, sometimes you'll hear a message. People will say, well, we're all God's children. Now, it's true that God does love the world. He loves every person in this world. But not everyone is God's child. For it is only through faith in Christ that we become children of God. In fact, he calls those who have rejected him children of darkness, unbelievers. But you and I, we've experienced that gift of love, that we've been called and made the children of God, even now. Now John goes on and he describes another blessing that comes from God's love in our life. He says, dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He's telling us that God will work to conform us to the image of his son. With those words, John was focusing us ahead to that great resurrection day, when we will not only see Christ, but will be shaped to be like him. In love, Jesus kept his human body, even in heaven, though now it is glorious and not wounded. And in love, he promises that we too will be raised to have a glorious body like his. The Apostle Paul spoke of that in Philippians. He said, who, that's Christ, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, everything. He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Wow, what a gift of love. That God is going to use that great power to resurrect us and to glorify us. That's what we have now as the promise. But John also has something else in mind. When he says we'll be conformed to his image, the Apostle Paul said, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Right now, before that great day of resurrection, God is already conforming us to the image of his son. That is, he has restored us to that image of righteousness and holiness through faith. In Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul then urges us to live a changed life. He wrote in Ephesians, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so John is reminding us that God's love is at work in our life now, to empower us to live a life that represents that righteousness and holiness that he has declared as ours through faith in him. That's John's encouragement for us. You've got a great gift of love. Open it up. Examine it. 
and see that it fits you. You know, when, when we get gifts, we, we kind of go through maybe an evaluation in our mind, right? Did I really want this? Do I really need this? How am I going to use it? Is it the right size? Is it the right color? What's it going to do for me? Well, we may go through that evaluation with our earthly gifts. We might even do it with this gift from God, and we'll see something very surprising. You know, if you've ever seen any infomercials on TV, um, you know the, how they promise that this is the gadget that will just, you know, change your life forever. And they'll speak about all the different things that it can do and what a great deal if you call right now. In fact, if you call right now, not only will you get that gadget, they'll give you some other kind of kitchen gadget that'll just do even more for you. Well, there's nothing greater than the gift of love that God has given us because it's the perfect gift. It fits absolutely every need that we have for compassion, for care, for guidance, for protection, for assurance. It's all there. And the greatest thing is, it's ours. There's no mistake. And there's no question. It is ours. Why should we question what God has declared? Why should we doubt, even when things maybe appear to be different? God says, you are my child, and you have this blessing of love. Sometimes we rely a lot on getting a gift to know that somebody cares about us. We, we give gifts to show people we care about them. And so John now, after reminding us of how blessed we are by God's love, reminds us to give this love to others. Here's what he said. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. He's simply telling us, you've been shown God's love, so show it to others through your life. We can do that when we work to meet the needs of other people, just as Christ met our needs with sacrifice. The Apostle John must have witnessed some really great things when he was with Jesus. I mean, he saw him feed multitudes with very little. He saw him heal people of all sorts of diseases. He saw God demonstrate power over nature that man in no way can control. He saw him cast out demons. He saw him even raise people from the dead. And John is reminding us that all that power of Christ is also at work for us. We too are blessed as the children of God. But John takes it to another step. Not only are you blessed with this love of God, but you are also called to share this love with others. In fact, what he's saying is, here's the example, and here's the motivation 
do it with sacrifice. You have, so share what you have. The Apostle Paul talked about that same thing too in his ministry. He said, in everything I did, I showed you by, that, by this kind of hard work that we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And he reminded us right after that, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We'll reap a harvest, he said. So what's the harvest? Don't think of it as some kind of a return on your investment for you. In other words, well, if I give a little, maybe I'll get a lot back. No, he's talking about a harvest of souls. That's what we will see. People who have come to know Jesus. And that will happen when we serve people with a higher purpose. And that is to share the love of Christ. You're probably familiar with the words of the Apostle James in his letter. When he said, what good is it if you see somebody who is cold and you say to them, well, I hope you keep warm tonight and don't do anything to help them. What he's reminding us of is this. We have Christ and his love, so we are going to share Christ and his love. Christmas is often a time when we are reminded to think of those who are less fortunate than we are and to do something to help. And that's good. You know, it's kind of following the example of Christ. Except oftentimes they're not thinking about Christ. They're just thinking of our own need to show compassion, our own desire to help people. We can do better than that. We can share love with others because of the love that God has shared with us. James thought it was a tragedy to just wish somebody well and not do anything to help them. John is reminding us, you have, so share. And more important than sharing a blanket or food, it's sharing Christ, because that's the one who brings us God's love and eternal life. Jesus even commented on that too. When he spoke of that final day of judgment, when his believers are gathered before him and he welcomes them into heaven because it's all been prepared for them. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I needed clothing, you clothed me. When I was sick or in prison, you came and visited me. He reminds us that when we do it to the least of these around us, we do it to him. Because faith that has Christ will be a faith that shares Christ. This past week in my email for pastors, I got this uh, little email that talked about preaching the gospel and not the garnish. And he was using as an illustration, you know, the little garnish we get on those plates when we're at a restaurant. At least 
that's when it happens to me. My wife doesn't serve me a meal with garnish. Uh, but what he's reminding us is, is not to get hung up with the garnish, right? We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't just eat the garnish and say, okay, you can take that steak away now. Because we know that the steak is the main meal. That's the thing that really is bringing us that nutrition. And so he said, don't get hung up in your preaching. And I'll give it to you this way. Don't get hung up in your giving with making it look nice like it's garnish, but not giving the meat of the gospel that's so desperately needed. As you know, we have an active ministry to uh, prisoners. And um, we, we go there, we visit them, we sometimes supply them with food. In fact, um, tomorrow or Christmas Day in three of the different areas in the prison, uh, they're putting on a big brunch, the prisoners are, with funds that we have given them so that they can purchase food, share it with other inmates, and then share the gospel. Okay? So they're using some garnish to get the attraction, but they're given, they're given the meal. Well, one of the prisoners uh, sent us a card here, and, and uh, his handwriting is real hard to read, so I had to type it out. But I wanted to share uh, what he said to us as a congregation. Whenever Christmas comes around, it is a time for people to anticipate and wonder what kind of gifts they would like to have. And then he says, but for those in Christ, we've received the greatest gift ever, God's love through Christ. Thank you all for sharing your lives with us. I am forever grateful to you all, a brother in Christ, Chu Yang. I share that with you to just underscore, don't underestimate the power of God's gospel working through your acts of love and your words that share Christ. As we get ready to hear the Christmas account once again, I'm always reminded of a, of a sermon that Luther gave, not that I was in the audience, of a, of a sermon that Luther gave when he talked about there being no room in the inn for Jesus' family. Luther said, yes, there was room. There was all sorts of room in that inn, but nobody would give up the room they had to help the family. And so we might say, oh, you wretched Bethlehem. If I were there, I would have given up my room for the baby Jesus. I would have loved to change the diapers of Jesus. And then Luther added, if you would have done that for Jesus, then why aren't you doing it now for your brothers in need who are around you? Because Jesus is there too. And so the question is not, is there room? The question is, what will we sacrifice to share Jesus? We have God's gift of eternal love that gives us eternal life. Let's share it and show it. Amen.